Has the Lord your God, whom you serve, been able to rescue you? You and I don't always have control over life situations. Things will happen that are beyond your influence, beyond your control. And when they do, what is your plan for dealing with them? In 2012, Pastor Brad and his family returned home to Saginaw, Minnesota after taking a short trip over the weekend. And when they got home, they realized there had been a house fire, not just you know, a small fire that the fire department came and put out, but their house completely burned to the ground. There was nothing left but ashes. Everything was gone. Imagine, clothes, gone. Kids' things, gone. Beds, gone. Pictures and furniture and keepsakes, gone. They had nothing left. It was all gone. You know, it's hard to imagine something like that. Everything that was all there when you left for the weekend and came back, and it's just completely gone. He said he found himself asking really strange questions like, you know, if I preach in the morning, what am I going to wear? I have that question all the time. (laughs) Do you find yourself wondering how you should respond in difficult times in your life? How am I supposed to handle this? How am I supposed to react? Most of us wonder. We're unfamiliar with new situations that bring unexpected emotions that completely run the gamut. And we can be frustrated, we can feel guilt, we can feel anger, and we, began, we can begin to doubt. So how are you going to handle life's difficult situations? Will you get through them, or will circumstances break you? The story of Daniel reveals for us a way to make it through life's difficult situations intact and stronger on the other side. And that's good news because in your life, you will experience uncontrollable circumstances. It's inevitable. Daniel and his companions, they had the whole world ahead of them. I think about our greeters today and our junior high students who are greeting us at the door and serving, how wonderful that was. You know, we think about their age and stage. Probably Daniel and his friends were just a little bit older than that. Their whole lives before them. You know, they were young. They were from a privileged class in Judah. They had promising careers ahead. But it seemed that the world affairs had different plans. You know, Daniel lived during a time of the Babylonian conquest, and he was taken captive to Babylon. And what was his response? So toward the later years of his life, we hear a pattern of life that he lived. It's in in Daniel chapter 6. This was his pattern from the beginning. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Interesting, right? Just as he had done before. Daniel reminds us that when the world is changing around us, some things should not change. We all, uh, we'll, we're going to look at three stories today in the book of Daniel that teach us how to live in God's upper story, uh, uh, God's plan to get people back through our lower story everyday lives. So as we trust God, as we participate with God, God is working out his bigger plan. And the first requirement to make it through difficult circumstances intact, which is our goal, right? To make it through intact is resolve. Resolve. Determine how you're going to respond and stick to it. 
Unexpected things are going to happen in your life. The question is, how are you going to respond? Every day, they slowly accumulate. Plates covered in sauces and crumbs, forks, knives, spoons, all gummed with bits of this and that. You know what I'm talking about? Carolyn Kitchener writes in The Atlantic, Doing dishes is the worst. At the end of a long day of work, cooking and cleaning, and for many negotiating small children, a couple has to face the big question, who is going to do the dishes? Do you want to point at this point or not? Okay. A report from the Council of Contemporary Families suggests that the answer to that question can have a significant impact on the health and longevity of a relationship. Simple question has a big impact. It, it, uh, it found that women, or for women, it's more important to share responsibilities of doing dishes than any other chore. Women who wash the vast majority of dishes report, men, listen up, more relationship conflict, less relationship satisfaction, and even worse sex than women with partners who help. Women are happier about sharing dishwashing duties than sharing any other household task. So what is it about dishes? What is it about dishes? Dan Carlson, the lead author of the 2018 study, offers one possible reason. Doing dishes is gross. <laughs> they can be old and moldy food in the sink, kids' sippy cups with a little uh, sour smelling stuff in them. Uh, couples who do, who do share dishwashing responsibilities seem to have better relationships. According to Carlson, that's because a couple can do dishes as a team. When partners each handle some portion of the household tasks, they divide them in one of two ways. They either split the chores, you cook Monday, I'll cook Tuesday, or they do them together at the same time. So the nature of dishwashing encourages couples to stand in the kitchen together and work simultaneously together until the job is done. And that kind of teamwork, especially when practiced regularly, often makes partners feel more connected, ready to tackle the gross and the curdled in and outside the sink. So want a happy marriage? Resolve to do the dishes together. Resolve. Determine how you're going to respond and stick to it. So as a young man, Daniel is taken into captivity and put into training for the king's service in Babylon. Everything in Daniel's life is out of control. He had everything determined for him. You know, from the Laura story perspective, in Daniel's daily life, it seems like he's the victim of circumstances beyond his making, out of his control. Think about it. He has lived through a besieged Jerusalem. Then he's taken into exile. Even his name is changed. You know, he was, uh, it was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his three friends, and they became Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, maybe you've thought about a name change. If you could, what new name would you choose? What would it be? I'm going to encourage you to tell somebody beside you, what would your new name be if you had a choice to choose a name? If you're online, go ahead and type it into the comment space. What would you choose for a new name? <laughs> All right. I'm going to put Cheryl on the spot. I think I heard her say, my new, she's not listening. <laughs> I, I think my new, you, you said your new name would be Saffron. <laughs> okay, good. 
<laughs> yes, we're online. <laughs> Changing a name sounds fun, but to Daniel and his, and his friends, it was a big deal because a name is identity. And with a new name, the Babylonians were trying to change Daniel's identity, trying to encourage him to take on the foreign culture. So they were trying to shift the alliances of the captives in every possible way, including their faith. So even their diet was about to change as they brought food from the king's table. So there's a lot of things going on here that Daniel cannot change. You know, and I think for you and I in life, it, it seems like there are so many things that are beyond our control. So many things that we can't shift, that we can't change. But there are some things we can choose. There are some places where we can take a stand. And Daniel has determined how he will respond, and he takes a stand. In Daniel 1.8 we read, but Daniel resolved, say resolved. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So food for the Jews, it reflects their faith in God. You know, the book of the law prescribes dietary requirements that designate how a Jew is to live. And Daniel resolves that he's not going to defile himself with the food from the king's table, which may have been offered to sacrifices, may not be appropriate for a practicing Jew. So as much as that depends on him, he's going to see what he can do. He chooses how he'll respond. You know, in life, nobody chooses to get angry or be bitter. It's just not an emotion that we typically freely choose. But it can, if we leave it to default, it can be how we respond to difficult situations. You know, we might feel victimized in uncontrollable situations. We might feel brutalized, and it might lead to feeling hopeless. And we respond in anger or bitterness. What can we do? What's an alternative? Well, resolve. Resolve that in these difficult circumstances that you face, you're going to make an early God-honoring decision about how you're going to get through these times. You know, it's an opportunity, in a sense, to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to cross this. Even though there's doubts, even though I have more questions than answers, even though not much makes sense right now, I am going to trust in the Lord. We have the opportunity in the initial instances to do our best to honor God and to resolve to trust that God is in this with us, even if it doesn't feel like it. I think Daniel, he took a big risk. He, he uh, did it with tact and wisdom, but he trusted that, that doing the right thing was honoring God and that God would be in it with him. You know, the Bible, it gives us this guidance in 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 and 12. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as alien and strangers in the world, you know, and sometimes as a Christ follower, it feels like we're aliens and strangers. The world just doesn't respond the way that we're called to. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Sometimes you have to wrestle with the questions until the answers present themselves. You might have to stand out. 
You might have to stand alone until the truth is plain in sight. You know, it's easy for Daniel, uh, it's not easy, I think, for Daniel and this chief official in charge of the trainees. So Daniel, he proposes a test. He says, Let, let's try this. Let's, let's try it God's way, and then you can see for yourself how it turns out. So Daniel and his friends eat only vegetables. Oh, that would be tough, wouldn't it? Only vegetables, not from the king's table. Uh, and at the end of it, at the end of the test, they're more healthy than the others. It's a resolve. Doug Scott in the Christian Reader Light Fair, he shares that a young pastor was making farewell visits to his congregation after he was going to be moving to another church and visiting a homebound member whom he had called on regularly. The pastor carefully explained why he was leaving. And then the woman sighed deeply and she said, well, we'll never have another minister as good as you've been. And the young man blushed, scuffing his feet on the floor. Oh, I'm sure your next pastor will be excellent. And she says, uh, no, you, you don't understand. She said, I've been here for five pastors, and each one has been worse than the last. <laughs> I've been here a long time. <laughs> It takes a God-honoring perspective if you're going to resolve to trust God that God's going to work it out, right? You have to have a God-honoring perspective. So listen to the resolve of the prophet Habakkuk. It's a little different than this story shared. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. God will come through. Daniel reveals how you can handle life's difficult situations, you, uh, how you'll get through, one, with resolve, determining how you're going to respond and sticking with it. And number two, you'll get through with community. Daniel reminds us that we can't go it alone. We won't survive our Babylons without one another. Olga Kazan, she writes in an article again in the Atlantic, she asks, why people are acting so weird? Like, right now. Do you agree? People are acting really weird. The past three years have revealed that we're not normal, or, or, uh, she suggests. We're social beings, and isolation is changing us. It's loosened the ties between people. People stopped gathering, and sociologists think that all this isolation shifted the way we behave. The rise in this disorder or the disorder we experience may simply be the unsavory side of a uniquely difficult time, one in which many people were tested and some failed. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they teach us that we need each other, especially in difficult times. We cannot isolate. The first thing that Daniel does when he finds out that King Nebuchadnezzar has issued an edict to kill all the wise men, including these four, uh, he goes to his trusted, trusted friends and they pray and they call out to God together. Say it together. together. They do it together. The, the scripture says, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. This is serious business here. It's great, really, to come together to church, to hang out, to have coffee, to fellowship, to kind of report on our week and and get some feedback from others. Uh, You know, especially if it's been a crazy week or a lonely week, it's really good to get together. But it's very different when we need our community, when we are in crisis or when we are facing difficulty. And there will be times when you do. We won't survive our Babylons without one another. Therefore, Scripture says, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. And you are doing that, church. Stanley shared that uh, some of you called on him when he was in Fargo. That meant the world to him and visited him or, or connected with him at the care center. That was so important to him. He's facing some difficult times. And this is not just the work of the pastor. It's the work of the church. It's the work we do together. Together. We all need each other. When Pastor Brad found that everything burned to ashes when his house was burned down, it was his church family that came around him and supported him and encouraged him and strengthened him and his family. He had to learn, he said, how to receive the outpouring of kindness because the truth was they needed care. They needed the church. And you cannot survive without the strength of others. We need each other. Now, I know some of us are going to say, "Mm, I don't know, I'm pretty independent. I think I can do it on my own. But Daniel and his friends remind us, you need others and others need you. There's some really interesting research uh, from Tyle Giles, uh, Wesley College, and some other places. They talk about this relationship between religiosity and morality from deaths of despair. So deaths of despair, there are these kinds of things like suicide, alcohol abuse. Uh, they've been skyrocketing among middle-aged white Americans. It's been blamed on various phenomena over the years, including like opioid abuse. But new research finds a different culprit, declining religious practice. I find this fascinating. It correlates this large decline in religious practice that's been happening in our country. And it's driven by this group that is most experiencing these increases in mortality. And what's also interesting is the impact seems to be driven by actual, formal, religious participation. Not faith, not personal belief, but participation. In other words, we need our community. You can deny it, or fight it, or ignore it, but in the end, God has made us for community. And Daniel reveals how we're going to handle life's difficult situations. You'll get through them with resolve, Choosing, determining how you're going to respond and sticking with it. Number two, you'll get it through it with community. We can't go it alone. And Daniel reminds us that we'll get through life's difficult situations when you faith it through. Faith it through. Say that with me. Faith it through. Over and over we read in Daniel that God shows up, right? God shows up. He keeps popping up in the story, even in Babylon. 
God shows up and he causes the official to have favor on Daniel so he can keep his food requirements. God shows up at a critical moment and he gives Daniel wisdom to interpret a dream. You know, God shows up in a fiery furnace when it seems too late, but instead he rescues God, his people from destruction. And God is continually popping up in the book of Daniel and his story over and over. God is at work even in Babylon, where we least expect God to be. So what does it mean to faith it through? I think Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it well. Faith is refusal to panic. Say that with me. Faith is refusal to panic. Man, that can be hard, right? I mean, we face difficult circumstances, especially when they come all at once, and the first thing we want to do is panic and run. But we don't. Because we have faith. We step back. Take a breath. Take a breath. Let it out. Faith. Faith it through. In chapter 6, we read, King Darius put a decree in writing that anyone who prays to any god or human being in the next 30 days, except to the king, would be thrown into the lion's den. Pretty harsh, right? Daniel's life depends on a 30-day response. So what does he do? He refuses to panic. Instead, he faiths it out. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. We remember this phrase. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. You know, life's difficult moments require resolve. Sometimes circumstances are unfair. Sometimes they're just not just. And sometimes they're just beyond our control. We can't do anything about it. We can't see how things are going to turn out for good. We might even doubt that God is in our Babylon. Sure, he showed up for Daniel, but I'm not so sure he's showing up for me. What do we do? Haddon Robinson, he has the words I think we need to hear from a Joseph monologue. He says this, sometimes I doubt my beliefs, and sometimes I believe my doubts. In these moments, I find that I just have to faith it through, resolving to come down on the side of faith, trusting even when I don't feel like it, and that is what God has used. When we just trust, God uses that faith. So we can't always choose our circumstances, but we can choose our response. Whether you feel like it or not, faith it out. Daniel was thrown to the lions that night, but God closed their mouths. As Daniel was faithing it out, he could have been singing, In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. (laughs) Neither does Cheryl. Thank you. (laughs) All right, the story. God closed the mouths of the lions. And when you find yourselves doubting your beliefs and believing your doubts, and, and, and I think if you're like me, it's true. We do. Remember that God is looking for people to resolve to serve him right where they are, right where you are, right in the middle of a hard situation right in the middle of those doubts. Are you there today? Are you facing a difficult situation? 
You know, in this moment, God has chosen you to trust him. He has invited you to come down on the side of faith, trusting even that when you don't feel like it, God is there. Faith it through. You know, in the fiery furnace that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into, there turned out to be a fourth person. King Nebuchadnezzar describes him as a shining, like one like the Son of Man. He's, he's describing God's Messiah who came to save his people in that fiery furnace, but who also came to save you and me from our sins. The prophet Jeremiah, he leaves the exiles with this coming hope. The, the story continues. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God knows. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. No matter what situation we face, God is in it. The Lord is bringing you back home. He writes, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Whatever place you are in, whatever captivity it feels like, God will rescue you. God chose you. Believe the best you can and watch God work through your Babylon. Resolve. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to trust in you. Lord, when situations seem untenable, when they seem like, Lord, we just don't understand and we don't get it and it's not what we had signed up for, it's not what we had hoped. Lord, we recognize that you are in it, that you are walking with us, that you are in this fiery furnace with us. And Lord, that you will see it through. So, Lord, help us to resolve today to trust you no matter what, no matter what are our doubts, to trust you and watch you work through our situation, that you may be glorified and your people may be blessed. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.